Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Mike Larson. Mike is a USBC Director of Association Development. Mike, Tim Berg, and Coach K here. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, Mike, you are the USBC's Director of Association Development. Can you talk about kind of what your role is with the USBC and what you do and what that position entails? Sure, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a question I, I have to answer to a lot, actually, uh, especially people outside of the industry that I talk to, you know, who ask what you do. Um, just saying that you work for USBC in general, uh, is, it always opens up a, a great conversation with folks. But uh, being the Director of Association Development really entails uh, servicing and educating the local and state bowling associations all around the country. A lot of people don't know, but there's uh, 2,700 local associations combined with the states around the country. And so there's a lot of folks that are really passionate about the sport. Um, they, they service it locally on their end, helping out with leagues and bowling centers who have issues, uh, whether it's you know understanding USBC rules or just helping with the membership and league application process, uh, working with the awards. They certify the lanes locally. They run your local Hall of Fame. Uh, Tim, I believe you're from Grants Pass, Oregon, if I, if I understand correctly. And so there is a Grants Pass USBC there as well that oversees that center there, and they help uh, with all the league functions there. <clears throat> uh, they're the ones that transmit all your your averages at the end of the season. Um, they, they, just, they do a lot of stuff locally, uh, as well as fundraising opportunities, um, both for the Cure, uh, which is our partnership with Susan G. Komen, and uh, the Bowlers to Veterans like BBL. The associations are really the ones that raise so much of that money that we donate to the, those organizations on a yearly basis. You know, We're talking over time like $30 million to BBL. I know last year alone, to both for the Cure, the associations raised over $800,000. So they do some really great work <clears throat> in the field, and uh, a lot of the times it's, it's folks who are just passionate about the sport and have been around it a long time and want to help provide opportunities for it. So um, we work and educate and service those folks. Like I said, um, our team, we have four regional managers and then uh, another guy in-house here with me that, you know, we answer a lot of phone calls and emails from them trying to help them do a better job. And then in the field we give presentations um, to the state-level associations where the locals will come and participate in a few-hour seminar where we do some work and, and give them uh, ideas and, and examples of ways that they can do things better and just kind of improve bowling in their area. Um, a couple of other things that I'm lucky enough to get to do with, with my responsibilities here outside of the association side is getting to work uh, Junior Gold and the ITCs, uh, pretty awesome events. And, you know, being a past bowler myself in the youth ranks, I bowled Junior Gold a few times years ago. And then I got to bowl the ITCs three times in my collegiate career. So getting to work those events also has been uh, been really awesome. Hey, speaking of youth bowling there, Mike, what uh, what kind of advice do you have for high school bowlers looking to bowl uh, competitively in college? You know, where should they go for scholarship information or, you know, other kind of, you know, maybe prep competitions. I know you just mentioned junior gold. I assume that's probably one of them. Any other advice? Yeah, they're, they're, the opportunities out there today are just – leaps and bounds ahead of what they were, even when I was in school, shoot, not even 10 years ago. Um, it's just the, the college bowling landscape has really grown. Uh, the NAI level schools, you know, they're not, they're not your major level programs that you see in NCAA competition, like, you know, University of Texas, or um, I'm trying to look at, I live kind of in big 12 country now. So, you know, you've got some major universities around here, but the NAI le- level schools 
have really adopted bowling um, in a tremendous way. And so schools that you're seeing become powerhouses now, like Robert Morris of Illinois, um, I believe Martin uh, in Indianapolis area, those schools um, are really putting an emphasis on bowling as a sport for their universities. And uh, kids on boys and girls now are have the opportunity to earn scholarships. <clears throat> and so to, to get noticed is a big thing, uh, but uh, and there's opportunities for that too. As you mentioned, Junior Gold, we have the collegiate experience where the universities come to kind of like an exposition where they have tables set up with placards and boards of the things that their university offers, and you can meet with the coaches there. The coaches go there to recruit. I mean, it's a huge, <clears throat> it's a huge breeding ground for what grows out of Junior Gold and becomes our collegiate bowlers of the future over the next few years. Um, I know that opportunity really didn't exist even when I was bowling in Junior Gold. It was mostly just about the tournament, you know, only a few years after that. I'd say probably around 2007-8, it started to become really popular, and uh, college coaches were going there and, and, you know, seeing the talent, talking to the parents, and they and that really has, has helped it grow into the, the level that college bowling has gotten to. Um, and another opportunity is the bowling combine. Uh, here, that's actually at the Training and Research Center here, run by uh, the coaches Rod and Brian and uh, and Kim here. Uh, a great experience where it's uh, where there's actually um, statistics measure statistical measurements on your bowling, uh, you know, shooting spares, your launch angles, your release points, your axis rotation. They, there's so many variables that they measure, and they put you through like a boot camp for two days. And then they compile all that data and they give it to the coaches. And the coaches are come as well. They usually have like I think twenty to thirty coaches come to that alone. And you get a lot of one on one time with the with the coaches and the and the youth bowlers and their parents. So <clears throat> there's also there I mean there's there's more out there now. I mean, I think uh, Turbo runs something out in Michigan, which is very similar to that, I believe. So there's just so many opportunities and so you know, uh, you can search the web. I know on bowl.com we have the information about the combine. Um, and if, if any youth bowlers are going to junior gold, you know, make sure you hit the collegiate expo for sure. Well, Mike, what is one thing you see when traveling across the country that, um, that is a, co- a kind of a common thread among the, the youth of today? Is it, is it they need to work on, you know, spares? Is it maybe the, the soft play conditions that, you know, you see from different parts? Or what is something that you see that you think all of our, our youth today need to really work on and focus on if they want to bowl successfully at college like yourself and Coach K did? Yeah. Oh man. Compete as much as you can, you know, for sure. Uh, there, there's so many, there's so many tournaments now too. I mean, I hear all the acronyms out there, JBTs, uh, here around here, there's a Southwest group too of, of youth tournaments. So, you know, I was lucky enough that, um, actually Chris Loeschetter's parents, uh, took over a youth traveling tour in Florida when I was a kid. Uh, and so once a month I was traveling the state of Florida to go bowl a tournament. You know, when we were bowling 10 games on Saturday and, 12 games of match play on Sunday if you made the cut, you know, and so we're bowling 20 games in a weekend and, and we put a lot of games in and, and, you know, gained a a huge amount of experience. Um, so, you know, definitely competing is, is a big piece of that. Uh, also you want to search out for, to bowl on tougher patterns, you know, in in college, they pretty much only bowl on sport patterns, you know, sport bowling program came out, you know, in the late nineties, I believe. And so the, I bowled in college from 02 to 06 and, we might have bowled in in those four years. We might have bowled two tournaments that were on a house shot. So I mean, we were always bowling on stuff that was challenging, and uh, definitely making sure that you put in the time to practice. You know, you reference spares too. You know, kids just you can't expect to strike all the time. And when you get to that level and you're competing against other great universities, you know the strikes are going to come for every team. But it's those who fill those frames that are really going to rise to the top at every tournament. 
you know, whether it's a match play format where it's one game, you know, that one spare makes a huge difference, or if it's, you know, a, a 10 gamer, you know, if you're, look at, look at sectionals and nationals, you know, you're bowling 64 Baker games, you're bowling so many Baker games and, and you start, you know, if your team is solid at, at the fundamentals and, and making their spares and filling frames, they're going to shoot 180, 190 instead of 160, 170 and combine, you know, all those games together, the the lead comes to the end. I, I wouldn't doubt that if you looked at the spare percentages of the teams that make it to nationals every year, I can almost guarantee you that at the sectional level, the ones who make the majority of their spares are the ones that are that are making it to nationals. Yeah, that's a good point. Pete Weber, you know, he was always known for his strike ball, but if you look and you listen closely to a lot of those interviews that he's had throughout his career about what you know, what tips do you have? Um, all the seminars I worked with him and coaching events and stuff, and even the interviews he had on TV, he said, what do I need to do to get better? And his answer was always make your spares. That was, that was yeah. always his number one, his number one thing. And, uh, and that comes from, you know, one of our premier and one of our, our earliest power players in our sport. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the game today has become such a power game and, and, you know, even in the last 10 years, it's really even you know magnified even more. But I mean, I remember in school, we were fortunate enough being in Orlando uh, at the University of Central Florida down the street, um, Boardwalk Bowl had just opened. I think now called Boardwalk Entertainment Center, uh, 80 lane facility, um, you know, state of the art at the time, uh, scoring machines and and um, the machine capabilities, and you know we could set up any pin we wanted. We could just literally shoot spare after spare, not at four racks, you know. So we had just tremendous amount of. Uh, facilities at our disposal to to do that to practice those spares and we would do that i mean half a practice i think we would spend shooting spares every day we would start off every practice and we would have to shoot you know we'd go across the back row and, and have to shoot you know 10 10s 10 9s 10 8s 10 7s or set up variety you know we'd, we'd play some different games too to to make it entertaining you know shooting the 3 6 10 over and over shooting the 3 6 9 10 over and over you know that that, that was definitely something that um our coaches grinded into us that you know we if we're going to get as good as we think we can be, we have to make these spares throughout the tournaments. Well, you bowl. Yeah, you, oh, go ahead, Steve. Sorry about that. And you had some you had some great coaches uh, there at UCF, Mike. Right? You had Pat Costello, Bob Shoneman, and I think you had some really um, outstanding teammates too. Some some bowlers that made junior team USA: Sean Ryan, Jeff Mersh. Um, I think there was even another one there. Uh, tell us a little bit yeah. about your, you know, maybe some of your best memories. Um, that you've had bowling collegiately. Yeah, I mean, just just hearing those guys' names, and you know, I stay in touch with a lot of them still. Obviously, social media helps. Um, but some of my greatest friends, for sure, probably for the rest of my life, are, are we're going to be from college bowling and, and bowling at, at UCF. Uh, just just an awesome time in my life. And you know, I, I tell stories when I when I go on the road and visit associations, and I talk about the the passion I have for bowling, and it was created in college. You know, I, I was a, I was a really good youth bowler too. You know, I, I won a couple tournaments in Florida, and I was fairly successful. But to really understand the magnitude of the game didn't come until college. Um, yeah, and, and it started with the coaches for sure. I mean, there's not many more, more people that I know that are as passionate as Bob and and Pat about the game. You know, Pat's been around for a long time and done some great things in the sport as a bowler and as a coach. Um, and Bob Bob was just a tremendous team coach for us. Um, just really built some just a, a phenomenal base for um, teamsmanship and to know what it's about to be a part of a team and, and the sacrifices that are needed. Um, I mean, I just, as I'm sitting here talking about it, thinking back to some of the memories and, and, you know, it's like people that play poker, you hear, you know, they always remember the bad beats, but they don't remember the good times, you know, when you get lucky and, and suck out on somebody. So, um, 
but I mean, there, there's some great memories that are, are positive and negative. I look back in senior year, we're bowling in, uh, in St. Louis, we're bowling the team match games and which is one of the biggest events of the year for those that had a bowl collegiately. And it used to be like the strike and strike tournament, you know, where everybody averaged 240. Um, but you know, once sport patterns came around, they made them a little tougher. And I remember I started off the tournament, I was bowling lead off and I, I, I went gutter gutter my first game. <laughs> um, so I had zero in the first and, uh, our team still shot a thousand. And then I still bowled 600 for the three. Um, somehow Bob had faith in me after bowling 126 the first game to keep me in the in the lineup. And uh, mm-hmm. I wound up bowling out like 240, 250 the next two. Um, That's a good coach right there. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when you're playing two, you know, sometimes you know you got to be you can't be afraid to throw it in because you know if you if you miss a a centimeter left of that gutter, it's going you know dead in the pocket. So um, just some good times with that. Um, some some zaniness. I mean, I, I lived with a couple of those guys in college. Uh, they, like I said, they were my best friends, my roommates, and, and a lot of them still are. Um, I'm actually I'm getting married uh, in next March, and two of the two of the guys are going to be in my wedding. So it just goes to show you how important um, college bowling can be to to a young a young man uh, and and young women too. You know, there's a lot of girls that I know um, from college bowling who have gone and gotten married, and their teammates were in their wedding. Uh, so just uh, the the opportunities that college bowling has are, are endless. You know, it's, they go beyond those four years, and not a lot of things that people consider when they're doing it. But man, when you're done, in hindsight, you realize how how awesome that time of your life was. So definitely, college bowling is the you know one of the greatest things that our game has to offer. So what does it take to be successful when you're bowling on a team? Because a lot of the players, and I'm sure you see this when you go around, you see that one person out there, whether that's like a Sean Rash who just sticks out like a sore thumb in his youth program or a, a Rhino Page or someone. But talk about how they can, when they get to college, how they can actually take in that team aspect of things, like you said, because you might go to a tournament and it's all Baker games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there, there's no I in team, and that, that's not a cliche for nothing. Uh, being a great teammate, you know, takes it takes effort. Uh, I myself didn't really bowl on many teams. I mean, I bowled, you know, my my league was a team growing up, and uh, you know, we were on different teams every year and bowling city tournaments, state tournaments as a kid are all, you know, there's a team double singles competition. But same thing, you're bowling on a different team all the time. Uh, and so, you know, getting to college, it 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 takes way more work than you than you can understand. But having a positive attitude and, and encouraging others is something that a lot of the times our youth bowlers are not raised with at this, you know, just that it's just not part of their, their culture at the youth level until you get to college. Um, high, high school bowling has blown up and for sure that has helped. Um, I know now Florida is a, uh, a varsity sport in high school. Um, my, my County that I grew up in did not offer high school bowling at the time. So I didn't have that experience, uh, which a lot of kids now are having. So when they get to college, they're in better shape, hopefully as far as understanding how a team works in bowling, because every shot is still individual you know, my Sean Ryan never helped me throw the shot, but you can guarantee that he was helping me mentally on every ball. You know, he was putting me in the right mindset and, and helping me understand what I needed to do and, and just stay focused on the shot at hand. So there's just so much that goes into it. But to be a great teammate, you know, like I said, Bob really laid a foundation for us, and, and he had that experience himself, and so it was easy for him to share it with us. Uh, but it, it just your attitude is really so much of what it depends on, and you can control that. You know, understand, have some self awareness. You know, body language, the the things you say, it's how you say it. All those things are you know play into what we do with each other. You know, and, and as a team, the energy goes from person to person. 
And if there's a person on that team that has negative energy, it spreads to everybody else. Uh, you know, some of the things that I, I've learned over the last year in, in different seminars and workshops I've gone to is, you know, bowling, in bowling we give high fives. A high five is a transfer of energy from one person to the next. And so if we want that energy to be positive, we have to have positive attitude within it. Otherwise, we'll bring the person down. It's it, it just all uh, how much impact each other, each bowler has on each other is just something you don't understand until you're, until you're done with it. So if, if kids could, could take that into consideration early on in their collegiate career and being part of that team, you know, they'll see a, a vast improvement in their team's chemistry. Hey, and Mike, last question I've got for you. Um, I, I do know you are uh, in the process of uh, working towards uh, getting your MBA there at, at TCU. I just wanted to get maybe a little update there on how that's going, what kind of uh, you know information and um, what kind of contacts maybe you're picking up along the way. I know they've, they've got a lot of big purple dollars flying around there. Maybe there's a few of them you can grab for bowling, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someday that, that, that would be great. Um, right now they're grabbing most of my regular green dollars. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going back to school is something I've always wanted to do. I was actually accepted to, to UCF's grad program before I moved to Texas. I, so, you know, I came to work for bowling instead of going back to school then. And, you know, the opportunity kind of presented itself in a, in a shorter term program here. And, uh, it's been an awesome shoot eight months now. I'm, I'm halfway done. Um, and it's, it's been great. Uh, the, the program itself is, is, extremely challenging, um, but there's just some tremendous people. And the stuff that I've learned in class, I've been able to already implement and utilize with my team here and with the associations that I work with all the time. And so I'm really already getting, you know, they talk about it in, in the program, you know, ROI on Monday, you know, and I'm, I'm already getting an ROI and I feel providing information to bowling and, and how I talk to people and the things that I present to them. I feel like I'm already getting that in. And, and something else that I really want to do is provide more awareness to the international bowling campus here, you know, through the university. You know, the the Fort Worth area and DFW as a whole is is very connected. Uh, there's a lot of networking um, and a lot of it's a lot about personal relationships. So while it's a big city, there really it really can be quite small <clears throat> if you're in certain circles. And so, you know, bringing awareness of the international bowling campus is something that I want to help do throughout my tenure and then continuing even after graduation. So, you know, there there's some opportunities there i think uh, i'm interested in, in hosting a bowl for the cure event with the with the university with my mba program and getting the uh mba alumni group uh together for a bowling uh bowl for the cure event here at the campus and i i think that would be a, a huge start to kicking that off and and having more awareness for uh the international bowling campus being here in the area so uh for now that's my my immediate plan we'll see where the future takes me and uh, see if i can get those purple bucks headed this way <laughs> and, and my final question, um, Mike, there's been a lot of turnover at the, with the USBC. And just talk about a little bit of the state of, of how things are going down there. And I know people always have an opinion and, and are always quick to, to judge. But how are things going down there? And, and uh, how is Chad Murphy doing, at least on the interim basis of, uh, of running things? Yeah, good question. And uh, your comment about um, quick to judge, uh, that, that's, kind of, that's just society everywhere. It's funny, I had a a conversation. I was in Nebraska this past weekend working with the associations there in the whole state and uh, had a similar conversation where, you know, we talk about attitudes and opinions and uh, the bowling industry can seem so so small at times, even though we've got, you know, 1.8 million members and we've got 2,700 associations and 5,000 bowling centers. We have these, these great numbers still. You know, I, I try to, to stay positive with, with everything I do um, and telling the associations the same thing. 
if we want to be, if we, one thing I asked him early on, I said, who here enjoys working with negative people? No one's going to raise their hand to that. No one enjoys bringing around negative people. So we need our associations to not be those negative people. We want them to be the positive source. You know, we understand there's going to be complaints and concerns, but we can't let that drag us down. And I think the same goes for the building here too. You know, we do a lot of great things still. You know, bowling offers so much, and to to celebrate those that the things that we do that are great, um, we just really need to continue to do because if if we internally drive negativity towards the sport, that's only going to magnify when it gets out into the field. And so, yes, you know, with social media, everybody's got an outlet, and so they always feel like they have a comment and opinion. You know, and I always question, you know, people are, are saying, you know, USBC is going to become this and bowling's becoming that. And, yes, it's changed over the years. There's no doubt it has, but nothing hasn't. Nothing is going to stay the same over 40, 50. You know, we're into 118, 119 years of history uh, with, with USBC and its predecessors. And so there's a long history where things are going to change. But, you know, he, day-to-day business here, uh, everything is, is status quo. I, I think Chad's done a great job. Um, he's a great speaker. He offers a lot of motivation and, and he's passionate about what he does. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I, we, I think that's, you know, resonating within the building and, and we hope that that transitions, you know, to the bowling industry moving forward. You know, we're, we're excited about the USBC convention coming up uh, at the end of April. We got a couple weeks here. So uh, a lot of workshops and seminars for the associations there. Uh, some providers will be there as well, and we just want to, you know, like I said, highlight the, the positives that our sport brings, and we'll work towards fixing the things that we can. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. That was an awesome interview. Appreciate it, and uh, best of luck down there in Arlington, and uh, I hope to see you around soon. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I, I sure enjoyed talking to you guys, and, uh, and good luck with everything you guys got going on, too.